Why do, what do you want to get out of, you say you want to lose weight. Well, why? What is that going to do for you? Right? So once you figure out that trigger and over the years I've heard, um, my dad is a diabetic and just lost his leg. I'm pre-diabetic. I don't want to do the same. Yeah. That's a strong motivator. That's a strong motivator. And you just got to get down deep into those areas. I've had another girl saying, I am so overweight. My doctor says, if I don't do something, I won't live long enough to see my daughter graduate high school. Yeah. Yeah. That's a way different goal than, uh, I want to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not why you're exercising. You're not exercising just to lose weight, but it's for those don't. So you're more present for your family. Mm-hmm. So you don't go down that same path of disease. And that's what it was for me. I didn't want to go down that path of disease. The fire within podcast. You need a sustainable plan, the right mindset and the knowledge and inspiration to stoke the fire within. Just like the Phoenix, you can burn your old habits, never turn back and emerge completely anew. There are no shortcuts. Hi, Fire with the Nation. This is Brandon Woolley. I'm excited to bring to you this podcast. We're going to be interviewing people in the health, fitness, wellness industry, people with incredible stories, hoping to glean information you can use to improve your life. And we have our inaugural episode, and I thought it would be appropriate to start it off with my mentor, the person who got me started with fitness and nutrition, when he had no reason to, uh, James Hess. Now, James Hess originally hired me at Lifetime Fitness when I started my career. I had absolutely no experience, and I was a thorn in his side. For very the, true, very true. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, he, uh, I had asked him at least 60 questions a day, um, but he was always available for me. He worked with me and um, helped me launch a very, very successful career. So we're going to pick his brain a little bit today, get to know uh, some of what drives him with fitness um, and see what we can glean from him that we can apply to our lives. So just a little bit of an introduction. Um, You've been with fitness a long time uh, before uh, your current job, which is at the Community Fitness Center at Hope. Yes. Um, You'd worked for uh, 24-hour fitness, Bally Fitness, Lifetime Fitness. Yes, sir. All Uh, those. Yep. And you've had accolades at each of them. Uh, You were uh, the Chairman's Cup winner at 24-hour fitness. Yep. Um, your general manager of the year for your region, mm-hmm. uh, within the six months at lifetime, you became a department head and even grand opened a location in Tulsa. That's right. Um, which is, I mean, these kind of accolades and building the business you did so quickly is pretty unheard of in our industry. Um, so tell me a little bit about yourself in that journey. All right. Well, I guess it all started back when I was, uh, wanting to be involved in sports as a, as a kid. And lifelong dreams of getting in, playing football for as long as I could. And that uh, I started playing football around five. And then that took me through a couple years of college. So in that avenue of learning to be a better football player, I realized strength was a, a big aspect of that. And as I started to learn, I was very visual. So I would watch people and look how they would squat and, and bench and, and do all these other strength exercises that that translated to playing well on the field is where, where I started within this. So as I was going through and getting older and realizing where, where do I want to take my career? I've always wanted uh, to help people. So I thought for a long time, I wanted to be a coach so I could be involved in that sporting aspect. But at the same time, I just started to develop a passion for lifting and how well your body would respond to whatever else that you were doing, whether it's on the field, uh, or just in life in general, 
how well your body responded to weight training. So I kind of wanted to get in that realm. Yeah, that's very interesting, especially the uh, how how does strength training uh, kind of bleed into everyday life? Did you find that a, a kind of a cool grounds to help coaching life skills as well? It took me a while to to start to realize kind of how those came together. But now that I'm a little bit older and I'm starting to use some of the skills that I've learned, it's almost a seamless transition with coaching somebody through health and fitness and coaching them through life in general. It's very, very similar to those steps that you take. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And and I guess that's kind of what brought you to, to where you are now with an outreach program uh, mm-hmm. that kind of incorporates strength training. That's right. Now you've also done some Ironmans um, and some half Ironmans. <laughs> that just hurts to think about. Uh, they hurt to do as well. What drove you to start looking into that, that arena? I would say it was about 2006 or 2007 where I saw an ad in a magazine and read part of what it was and said, you'll be in the best shape of your life if you did this. And I'd been in the fitness industry already for, at that point, five or six years. And I had transitioned into a general manager position, which was less, life was less on the floor, working with people. It was more in the office, working with a team of people driving the business onto where it needed to go. So in that, I said, well, this is a challenge. And I've always, I've swam competitively since I was a kid up until they said, make a choice, football or swimming. And I said, well, football. So swimming was easy and I've always enjoyed getting on the bike. I just never ran. If it was outside a hundred yards, I wasn't interested in it being, you know, linebacker and running back in college. I wasn't interested in long distance of anything. So at that point I'm like, okay, well maybe I'll give this a try. So I started thinking a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more about what that would look like. And finally just pulled the trigger one day and a neighbor had a bike that they were getting rid of. Uh, and she allowed me to make payments on it so I could uh, start <laughs> with something. And, and, and it just kind of blossomed from that point to where that first year I did one, the next year, maybe I did two. And now I'm trying to get, including those sprints, I'm getting between five and seven races in within a, within a season. And that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Now, do you find it difficult to balance such a cardio-heavy sport with the strength training component? And, and what are some of the challenges with that? And there's a lot of challenges that are involved with that. When I transitioned into doing a full Ironman, which took the majority of my time away from when I was working, I'd, I'd go on eight-hour training sessions on the weekend. And I would put in two, three hours a day just in cardio, just to be ready for something my body could accomplish, I was unable to to find time to lift weights. So for almost a full year, there was bits and pieces where I would only lift for a couple, two, three weeks and then get back off and then come back on. So it was very, very difficult for me to find that balance between doing a full Ironman and weight training. So I had found success in lifting while doing sprints. And then I transitioned into an Olympic distance, which is, you know, sprints vary, but Olympic distance is a little bit more steady with the time. And it takes for me right in the the three hour range to complete one. I was still able to complete a sprint and weight train. And then it was just a matter of every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this cardio. Or And then I'd start to get into the cardio mode and then I'd be like, oh, I don't want to lift. (laughs) <laughs> so I was able to fine tune through a lot of the certifications that I had and a lot of the stuff that I was reading, how to maintain my strength 
with minimal effort in the gym with, you know, maximal output at the gym for one hour, one and a half hour sessions once a week. And I was able to maintain strength closer to the portion of when the race actually happened. Because as you're training for a race, there's a lot of base building endurance that you have to do. Then you, you start to periodize your cardio and your weight training to match. And as you get closer to the race time, you're putting a lot more effort into the intensity and your workouts are shorter. So I matched those and I was able to find balance up into a half Ironman. But then after the full, it was all cardio. It was, you know, unbalanced. So I'm a one and done full yeah. Ironman. Now, for some of us that are really habit driven, and if we miss a workout, we freak out and we're like, we're going to lose all our gains. Did you find the periods of times where you left strength training to the side to focus on the cardio? Do you feel like you lost everything you worked for? To a point, yes, until I got back into lifting again. So after my full Ironman, I took maybe another month off of not doing anything. And then I got involved with uh, a buddy of mine who had a gym and we started doing a little bit of CrossFit. And in that day, everything is kind of put on a whiteboard for everybody to see. So after the period of being sore again from lifting weights that I hadn't done before, I found the strength that I had laid that big foundation for almost taking a full year off um, within two months, you know, the top of leaderboard back with deadlifts and squats and some of those, the areas that I'm really strong in, I was able to just to continue to, to run through those with no issues. So that could give some hope to some people that want to mingle in something else that takes all their attention that, that if they do decide to do that, they can come back to what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I think it's healthy for the body to take a break from the same type of load and activity again and again and again. Yeah. Um, and it may even spur some different growth when you come back to it. Mm-hmm. Very Absolutely. cool. Now, I want to go back and ask um, a little bit about your origin story, your transformation story. I feel like a lot of people have a specific moment in their life where they decided to commit to a change. Uh, I know for me personally, I was heading towards prediabetes, was 244 pounds, and uh, just decided enough was enough. Mm -hmm. uh, ended up losing 84 pounds and spurring this career. Um can you think of any kind of period in your life where you feel like you redefined yourself? Maybe not even physical, but just in general. Yeah. As, I, as I'm starting to think through that question, there was a, definitely a time I wouldn't call it a reinvention, but an invention of myself. When I started as a trainer in 2001, I got hired. Here's my certifications ready to go. There's the floor. Go be a trainer. I'm like, what do you mean? Go be a trainer. I don't, I don't know what that I can train people, but where are my clients? And, well, you got to go find them. So it was sink or swim. And I started to figure out how it all worked. And I put a lot of effort into learning how to communicate with people and get them to understand and make an analogy so people can understand the science behind what we know packaged in something that they can understand that makes sense, that gets them to their goal. And at the same time, agree to pay me a certain amount of money every hour, num numbers times a week. So it took me a while to get that. And, and as I would see new trainers coming on board with that same look in their face going, what do I do? Where do I go? I, I don't know where to go. From that point, I remembered, I need to help these people that are coming in. 
I need to do something with them. So I took every person that came under my wing. It wasn't my job. It wasn't what I was required to do. I just wanted to go above and beyond and to help those people that were going to be my teammates and, and uh, working next to me on the floor. I wanted to help them in that process. And as they started getting better and better and better and better and, and the, the revenue of our department started growing where it was gaining national attention. They started asking these trainers, well, what's going on? He says, well, James helped me. Oh, well, James helped me. Well, James. And then they said, well, Hey, it looks like you want a management position. I just, I just want to help people. So maybe a year after my first training job, I was added to that management roster that we had. And, and from there, I didn't want people to feel the way I felt when I walked into a job going, what do I do? How do I do this? So at that point is kind of where I made that transformation of, I need to help people and helping those people ended up helping me just as much as it did them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so to kind of summarize, you had this sink or swim moment and um, that you had to overcome yourself without a lot of additional resources right. and you saw a need and just, out of, you know, just out of wanting to make, make it easier on others, you started to fulfill that need and it almost created this management position for yourself, even without directly going towards it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I love what you said about helping others helps you. Cause I feel like if I can't teach somebody to do something, I don't know what, know it well enough, mm. but you have to know it inside and out to be able to teach it to somebody with different learning styles or as many questions as I had coming <laughs> on. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Um, so, so that makes sense. Um, and now that you've kind of gone through that, you've been doing this for years. What, what helps you to continue down this path of coaching and mentoring and helping? I would say this moment right now, seeing somebody walk into my office and say, Hey, are you the hiring manager? I said, I am. He says, I want a job. I said, well, do you have a certification? No, I don't. You have an experience? No, I don't. Well then come back when you do. And, and you were one of over a hundred that I've sent away in positions where I am the hiring manager for trainers that came back. Hey, I got a certification and I got a part-time job. Will you hire me now? Here's my story. And I said, yes, absolutely. I'm going to hire you. <laughs> so seeing that from where you started podcast, you know, yeah. and, and uh, the number of people that I've kind of helped through their lifetime and seeing them grow and the changes that, that we've made and implemented um, to manage their business and how that changed their life and their trajectory just keeps me driving to help more and more people. Yeah. yeah it's just incredible impact um, to that compounding effect, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's, you know, a management and a mentoring position is one of the best positions to create that. Um, you know, I think, what drives a lot of people I know myself is to create more impact, more impact. Mm -hmm. Um, and sometimes it's not as glamorous in the management position and you don't always get the credit. Uh, but just kind of seeing everything evolve and people's lives improve. It's, uh, I think it's one of the most gratifying things on the planet. Uh, that's awesome. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now the next thing I wanted to discuss, um, can you think of any shortcuts to, a healthier life or to becoming a, a better manager that you've tried and that have kind of failed in the long run. So when I started in the fitness industry as a trainer in 2001, I had maybe a year off of playing college football. So I came in 
looking kind of the way I wanted to look with all the workouts and all the activities. So I'd, at that point in time, I'd never really put myself through any type of program or trying to quick loss anything. I learned the right way to start doing it. And through all the efforts that I've done, I found success with whatever kind of thing that I found one, cause I was young enough. Uh, and two, I was determined to make sure it got done. So I've never had a real area of kind of a quick fix I've done now as I go through and say, okay, well, I need to drop a, a few pounds for this. I can, I can do something real quick and drop it. And then I don't sustain it. And then it comes right back. But at the same time, I've never really had that issue to where, well, I'm going to try this quick fix for something and, and it have, have it not work because I put, when I decided to do something, I would do the research behind it with what was current uh, and then made those changes. Yeah, I guess, and um, just your personality and your story so far, uh, everything takes such planned commitment, like a like an Iron Man. Yeah. Um, so I guess for you, shortcut just really isn't in your blood, mm, huh? Nope. Um, so that's that's a good thing. Um, I think for a lot of our listeners, um, we're always trying to lose for or look for for a quick weight loss strategy or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, based on your experience in the industry, uh, what would be your advice towards people looking for a, a quick fix? There is no quick fix. Yeah. You you got to put the work in. And it, the bottom line is, is you got to do the work. If you want to get the results, I mean, you can't complain about an award you didn't get if you didn't put in the work to get it. Yeah. Right. So the way you want to change, if you want to change the way you look, you got to do something about it. And there's no shortcut to do it. And, and as a trainer for so many years, you would, you'd be surprised how many people come, well, I'm going to try the cabbage soup diet or I'm going to try the, the beet and weenie diet and I don't know, <laughs> all kinds of different things. Cause we're in a society today where, well, if you're hungry, you go through the drive-thru, you don't have to get out of your car yeah. and Chick-fil-A will make it as quick as is possible. And these other places will make it just as quick as possible. We, we want the same thing, right? We put the thing in the microwave and from frozen to edible in two minutes, depending on what you have. Yeah. So we we're, we're a society that looks for those quick fixes and and health is not a quick fix. It's it's a it's you're playing long ball with this. We've already discussed your accolades, the Iron Man's, uh, how quickly you were able to develop success no matter what you do. So obviously there are some habits underneath that, some daily habits mm -hmm. um, that don't make it luck, but you create your own luck through, through these, uh, rituals, these practices. Can you talk about some of the habits you have that you think have had this compounding effect of success throughout your life, your relationships, your job? Yeah, I think it's uh, a form of mastery. So when I came to the realization that I didn't know something I needed to be successful, I engulfed myself in it. I remember, um, some of the things they don't tell you about being a trainer is you gotta be a salesperson. You just think being a trainer is I'm going to, I'm going to take somebody and I'm going to give them a great workout and they're going to lose weight. Well, if they're not paying you to do it and you didn't collect the money, you're not, you're not training anybody. You're a trainer without clients. So you're not very successful. So when I realized that there was an aspect of selling that had to, to happen, I made it a, a consistent habit to start to learn from the leaders that were out there. At that point in time, when I started, it was Zig Ziglar was a big person that I would do automobile university as I would go from my home to work. I'm playing how to be a better salesperson, how to connect with people. 
And then from that point, it was a lot of practice. I don't know how many dates my wife and I have been on where we're sitting over dinner. I'm trying to sell her personal training and she's the hardest clothes I've ever had. And she's always said no. <laughs> so it always kept me trying to get sharper and sharper and sharper. We, we try to create these environments in a workplace. Hey, we're, we're going to role play and let's go through this. Oh yeah. I'll end up buying for five years and I'll be your client. Right. So that, you know, theoretically it never happens, but you kind of ended that way. And not with my wife, it was a uh, no. Just yeah. a no. So then <laughs> I had to learn at that point how to ask the proper questions in order to get something. So the amount of work it takes to be consil- consistently diligent in honing your craft is what helped me find success. Yeah. Something you used to tell me all the time was you got to sharpen your saw, sharpen mm-hmm. your saw. So, so it sounds like making a, an effort to do additional research without being told, like Absolutely. not just doing a certification because it's required, but Hey, I'm bad at this. I need to go get better. Um, mm-hmm. And the hardest thing I've ever tried to do with clients is, is teach intrinsic motivation. <laughs> um, I think that's the secret sauce. Can you think of anything uh, that you would tell somebody who struggles with that, that may help. I think the, the biggest thing that intrinsically makes a difference is the emotional piece that's, uh, connected to, especially in the fitness side of things. We all know it's logical for us to work out. We know we need to, we just don't. Right. So we see value in kind of carving out some of our daily time, right? So we see the value in that and we see the logic in doing that. But when there's no emotional reason, that intrinsic value isn't there. So over the course of the years, getting people to start something is, is getting through and asking why. Right. So if you, if you think right now, the number of family members that you know, that consistently work out on a regular basis, and you, you talk about your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins. And then you look at the number of people who consistently work out. That percentage is really, really low. Something happened to those people that got them to do this and stay doing this. And what I found is if you consistently ask why that person is there in front of you, why do, what do you want to get out of, you say you want to lose weight. Well, why? What is that going to do for you? Right? So once you figure out that trigger and over the years I've heard, um, my dad is a diabetic and just lost his leg. I'm pre-diabetic. I don't want to do the same. Yeah. That's a strong motivator. That's a strong motivator. And you just got to get down deep into those areas. I've had Another girl saying, I am so overweight. My doctor says, if I don't do something, I won't live long enough to see my daughter graduate high school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's a way different goal than, uh, I want to lose weight. mm -hmm. Um, that's not why you're exercising. You're not exercising just to lose weight, but it's for those notes. So you're more present for your family. So Mm -hmm. you don't go down that same path of disease. And that's what it was for me. I didn't want to go down that path of disease. And when you have those facts right in front of you, they were either presented to you by a doctor and then you did it on your own to get, to get it done. Or you have somebody like us who will come in and, and walk alongside. Why is this that important to you that you're going to make time and effort and even money to change your lifestyle and change the trajectory of, of your health. And then the compound effect that has with your family. Right. Right. I, I can't remember a time where I didn't go to the gym from when I was, 
eight, nine years old, my mom was taking classes and I was put in the childcare that they had. Right. So that's just a lifestyle that I've had for years and years and years. And you start to make this change that can change the entire trajectory of your family tree. If you're getting involved in this and making a regular habit, but you have to understand why you without the why you're going to be lost. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, now you brought up your family. She, uh, now, James also has two daughters. I do. Uh, so you're trained for an Ironman. You have incredibly stressful, high responsibility jobs. That takes a lot of balance of time. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some strategies that allowed you to be the best father you can be while being the best husband you can be while being the best boss you can be answering my 4,000 questions yeah. um, and doing all these really time consuming habits or or things? How, how do you coordinate all of that? It took effort and it took, um, my wife's agreeing and support in my desire to do this, to make it happen. Right. Because training for Ironman takes a whole lot of time. Um, putting effort into my marriage relationship takes time developing my kids and getting them to be functioning adults as they're walking through life. My job is to release them into the world as functioning adults versus kids that don't know anything. So all that takes time. So it took a lot of planning. What does this look like for me? How can I map this out over the course? When is going to be the heavy load of my Ironman work? And what does that look like with work, my workload? And how does that look like with school? And how does that look like with my wife? Okay, how do I do a little game of Tetris to make it all fit. And even within that time frame of me doing that Ironman, I almost took a whole month off to move. We bought another house and moved across town. So, and then had to go to Texas in that time frame to go close on another house that we had, uh, that we had as a rental. So a lot of that, I just couldn't fit in. And there was some time that we took off and then I hit the ground running again. Yeah. So it's a, it's a lot about planning your time and having a support system that allows for that to continue. Yeah. Yeah. So being intentional is really important. Very important. Um, and maybe that's where, where some people fail with some of their health and nutrition goals is say, you know, they know what they want to do, but there isn't a structured plan to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, so just thinking through it, um, that, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Moving on. Um, is there anything you've learned over the years that you wish you've started a lot sooner? Any habits or processes that you're like, man, if have, had I known this when I was 20 years old? I wouldn't say there's uh, too much, but um, as more and more research has come out about the effect of certain types of food on your body and the way that affects, I wish I kind of knew that back when I started versus a carb is a carb. Well, no you know, uh, the carbs that are in vegetable are completely different. The carbs that are in Krispy Kreme, right. (laughs) And they affect your metabolism a whole lot different. So back in the day when we didn't have all that knowledge, it was calories in calories out and you manage macronutrients. Well, okay. Well, bagel fits within all that. And, but what does a bagel do with the gluten in it and all the other things that compound uh, issues that we see nowadays with the way food is made and, and all those things. I kind of wish I knew that a lot earlier, uh, is kind of the the big one that I'd say, man, I wish, I kind of wish I knew that a little bit sooner than I did. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, um, you know, I wish I hadn't put 
uh, off strength training so long. I used to be oh. all cardio oriented. Um, and, uh, I ended up with knee surgery and all kinds of other issues. Mm. Um, and while I was able to keep the weight off, as soon as that cardio stopped, I started gaining weight rapidly again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that I needed to find a sustainable balance. So now I do a lot less cardio and I really focus more on the strength training aspect. And, uh, I could have avoided the knee surgery, the piriformis syndrome, mm-hmm. the shin splints and <laughs> yeah. on and on and on. Yeah. Um, awesome. Now, uh, kind of as a final takeaway here, what are the top three things you would sell somebody to work on to improve their life, to get to a healthier state? All right. Let's see. The first one would be, yeah, you have to want it. If there, if you don't want it, you're not going to do anything about it. And you'll have to go through and ask why, why is this important to you? What is that? What are you getting out of? investing your time in this. And when you understand the why behind everything, it makes it a little bit easier to grasp and to get a hold of, right? Uh, the second one I would say is get help. Without somebody's help, it's going to be a lot more difficult. When things get real tough, you're just going to, you're going to let it slide and nobody's going to be there to hold you accountable. So even going through my Ironman, I had a training buddy and we were, we were going to complete the same race at the same time. It was a family deal where she was coming with her son and my wife was coming with our two kids. And we planned that vacation and we were holding each other accountable to the workouts that we need to be doing. And all that, all that in and of itself, as it was difficult and you want to give up and you don't want to do this anymore, having somebody getting help makes a big difference, especially when you don't know where to start. That's, that'd be the next thing. And the last one is be consistent. You yeah. got to be consistent with anything you do if you want to get any type of result. Yeah, that, that reminds me, people always ask me, you know, what's better, free weights or machines? And uh, I always tell them whatever you'll consistently do. Absolutely, yeah. Because if you're terrified and hate free weights and you never come in the door again, it doesn't matter what's better. Um, Absolutely. So to summarize your top three, you need to know your why. Mm-hmm. You need to have help and, and build a support structure. Absolutely. And um, the last one was being consistent. You got to be consistent. Uh, yeah, I, I know for me, so you've mentored me every week for the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have a mentor. Uh, I have people I look for for, for help and guidance. Um, you know, I think maybe you can do it on your own, but I think it's going to be a slower, more arduous process. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably not necessary. Um, and just having a different perspective is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the time frame that I was trying to do this on my own, I still relied on help. Yet it might not have been a person. It was a uh, reading a book or going through this out of the other, understanding that I needed help. I'm not going to be able to do this on my own. And kind of now in life in general, as I go through, I realize even more so is I can't do life on my own by myself, and that's where my faith and spirituality comes in and realizing there's a God that, that loves me more than I can imagine. And without him, I struggle more than I did. I'm not saying that, that now that I found Christ and, and I follow him, that my troubles are gone. No, but I know I can rest assured that they're taken care of. And I have somebody who loves me and I know that I'm not going in this alone anymore. So that is another thing that continues to drive me beyond 
anything else. And that's why I think that's super important for the other, others to get help in that area, specifically with the fitness, but life in general, you, you can't do it alone. We're not meant to, to live life alone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do a hard time being by myself in 15 minutes. So, so, um, <laughs> no, I understand completely. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, I really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, once again, uh, you've been a mentor to me since day one and uh, I would not be in this studio without you. Uh, so thanks for, for everything you've contributed to my life and thousands of others. And uh, I look forward to, to hearing uh, what else God has in store for you. I appreciate it. One last question for you. Yep. Why do why are alligators so ornery? Because they have all them teeth and no toothbrush. That's right. <laughs>